It's the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you once again as we get you ready for what we hope to be Kentucky Week for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And to help us do that, outstanding beat reporter for BamaOnline.com, Charlie Potter. And Charlie, we're coming off a weekend in which you were supposed to be there at Tiger Stadium on Saturday evening for Alabama LSU. We know that did not happen. We're going to get into some potential scheduling scenarios as we move throughout the podcast with you. So what does Charlie Potter do? I mean, when Charlie Potter has a weekend sort of suddenly come open like this one did, what what was on the agenda? What was on the docket, Charlie? It, it was weird uh, to have two weekends in a row of, of not being in a press box during football season. Uh, so I took the opportunity to kind of just chill out. Um, I finally did some yard work and during football season, that's, that's tough to do just because really the only kind of quiet day and I'm using air quotes when I say that out loud, it's <laughs> Dr. Evil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Fridays. There's just not a lot going on. I mean, it's the day before the game. A lot of teams are traveling. A lot of times you're traveling as well. Uh, so Friday uh, is usually the only day of the week you have. And to be honest, I didn't want to do a lot of yard work on Fridays when a game was going to happen the next day, if I'm being completely transparent here. So I, I took the time to do, to do some yard work. Hopefully that's the last time I have to do that this year because it's clearly my favorite thing in the world to do. Um, but no, we just we, we hung out. Um, you know, the wife kind of cooked a, a pre-Thanksgiving spread, so that's always fun. Uh, Practice Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like that. That's the thing. Well, so – we're obviously going back home to Boaz for Thanksgiving. Um, you know, all things considered, hopefully, you know, nothing, nothing happens or, you know, this year you just kind of cross your fingers and, and hope everything goes as planned. But, um, my dad told me this week that they're going to cater Thanksgiving. And I was just like, nice. what? Cause, I mean, cause I, I like my mom's cooking. That's why, you know, you go home, but absolutely just to kind of take some pressure off of everybody. They're just going to do that. And, um, of course, uh, myself and my sisters are kind of scratching our heads a little bit and it might not be the best, but you know, got some pre Thanksgiving this weekend. Um, watched a little football, got some yard work done and, and that's about it really. What about you? Yeah. You know, my Friday, you actually had a lot more, uh, you were much more productive. It sounds like <laughs> with your Friday, although I did muster up some energy and I went out to American Christian Academy Friday night because uh, had a really good 4A playoff game. ACA with Mobile Christian in town and Deontay Lawson, the Alabama commitment at the linebacker position, really, as you would expect. In high school football with a guy like that, he's involved in just about everything. Maybe not so much special teams, but you know, on offense, he's playing H-back. He's playing some Wildcat quarterback. He even threw a post pass in the game, which I can verify he is, in fact, left-handed uh, after seeing that. But uh, you know, it was a, it was a really good game. 27, 21 ACA got the win. I was impressed with Kamari Lassiter, the defensive back for ACA that's committed to Georgia. You know, not sure if he's a corner or a safety, uh, but I think he can help Georgia somewhere in that secondary. Uh, but man, when you look at Deontay Lawson and we've, we've seen enough Alabama linebackers to know, uh, that have come through this program. He, he looks like another one of those guys that, you can cross train potentially. He, he, I would think he starts out at inside linebacker, but you could see where perhaps you could move him outside some if you wanted to do that. So, yeah, that was my contribution 
on Friday night, pretty much. It was perfect weather. As much as anything, the weather turned around and got so nice at the end of the week around here. I felt like, man, I got to get out and do something, you know. So uh, high school football for the first time this season. That's pretty much that's pretty much what it was for me on Friday night. The rest of the weekend, I guess, uh, you know, watching some SEC football, what we had anyway on Saturday. Some of it was work-related because Kentucky is expected to be here mm-hmm. on Saturday. So I had to watch some of Kentucky and Vanderbilt. But I'll say this about the three games we did have. I mean, a lot of points, um, pretty exciting for the most part. So, uh, South Carolina, Ole Miss, the nightcap. Saturday night was interesting to say the least. Uh, Kyle Trask, you know, afforded with kind of the biggest stage in the league with all the other games uh, being postponed. I thought Kyle Trask and Florida looked really good in that primetime spot against Arkansas on Saturday night. So that's kind of the extent of Friday and Saturday. Did you watch a lot of college ball Saturday? Not just a ton. I, I caught most of the, the Florida-Arkansas game, and um, I watched a little bit of the Kentucky-Vanderbilt uh, game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll be completely honest. I When it comes to – me and watching sports, and this is probably a crazy statement considering what I do for a living. <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless it's just like that huge marquee game um, on a Saturday, if it's not Alabama, I tend to just kind of tune out. Like I get my feel, I guess. I yeah, say. sure. And it's you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think people will understand that as much. You know, when you don't work in in this line of work. I think you kind of think of it like if you worked in an ice cream shop, you'd eat yeah. all the ice cream in the ice cream shop. You know, the wife owns a chocolate store. And while I try to eat all the chocolate out of her store, she doesn't, you know, and she's <laughs> because she's there all the time. That's the kind of analogy that comes to mind, I guess. Yeah. And like on a free Saturday, I know we've had two here, but, um, you know, get to spend some time with the wife. And I don't really want to just spend it sitting on the couch and, and watching football. I, I do watch NFL football basically all day on Sunday. I don't have a favorite NFL team, but ever since I was little, I just love watching NFL games. I know that's kind of, it's different, I guess, but you know, it's fun to also see so many of the guys that you've covered uh, here in Tuscaloosa Mm -hmm. to play at the next. You're basically watching Alabama football. Exactly. And then (laughs) I have that, I do the weekly, you know, tie the NFL roundup. So, you know, you, you do some work with that and then comment on the message board. But when it comes to Saturdays, Unless it's just, you know, the if the, if the SEC game of the week is good and you have a late Alabama uh, kick, I'll, I'll tune in. But when I get home, say, say it's like a, I don't know, if, mm-hmm. if it is a 2.30 kick for Alabama, and I get home and the only games on are like, if it was Kentucky and Vanderbilt on a normal week, I'm probably just going to not turn the TV on or have something else on. Uh, so I'm I'm a little different in that regard. I know following so many other reporters, you know, they're live tweeting other games. That's just that's just not me. I try to, you know, tune out or you know try to wrap up some more work, get ahead of things, or spend time with the wife. That's just how I've kind of been the last several seasons. It wasn't always like that, but yeah, the the ice cream, the chocolate analogy, that's that's pretty fitting for me. I would say <laughs> moderation is still key in just about everything. Too much of a too much of a little can be a lot, and too little of a, a lot can be, I don't know, something like that. No, <laughs> you know, I actually watched more Masters than I watched anything else when it comes to sports. I, mean, I was pretty locked in on the Masters 
from start to finish. And by the way, Justin Thomas, if you have it tuned to BamaOnline.com, you probably already knew this, but Justin Thomas with the best master's finish of his professional career at Augusta National Golf Club. He's tied for the lead through two rounds, but man, Dustin Johnson, historic performance for DJ, 20 under, first player in master's history to ever hit 20 under for the tournament. And so it's DJ that gets the win, but... You know, Justin, year in and year out, keeps incrementally improving up the leaderboard, this time with a fourth-place finish. So that was fun to watch. What I do, too, when I'm sort of taking it all in like that on Saturday, which I did, I'll try to at least cook something on the grill, right? I try to save myself late, late comeback. After I've pretty much sat there and watched a lot of television on a Saturday, I'll throw something on the smoker. This time it was a beer can chicken that I did on Saturday night. And then when I take it off at like six, it makes it at least look like Charlie. I've contributed. I've, I've actually produced something during the course of the day instead of just vegging out there and, and taking in the sports. But yeah, I was probably more golf oriented and I thought, you know, kind of spitballing here, but a lot of love for Kyle Trask after Saturday night with that Heisman Trophy now. A lot of talk, Charlie, that if we get this Alabama-Florida matchup in the Southeastern Conference Championship game like it appears we're going to get, uh, could be a problematic matchup for that Alabama defense. Uh, and it goes to show, when, when you have that sort of stage to yourself, think about what Saturday was supposed to look like in that sort of time window. If you have Alabama and LSU at 5 Central, and you have Florida and Arkansas at 6 Think about what happens to that Florida-Arkansas game. <laughs> but without Alabama and LSU, you would have thought it was almost like Clemson and Notre Dame for the second straight week with the way people are. And, and I was impressed, too, with Florida. But I've already been impressed with Florida. I've already seen them a couple times this season. Impressed with Trask. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what we all saw happen with, with Trevor Lawrence. You know, He had to miss two games because of the COVID-19 situation. And I'm not yeah. saying – Mac Jones is is lost his you know hold on on the lead for the Heisman, but um, you know not playing for two weeks hurts, and if the LSU game doesn't get played at all, that that definitely hurts. So um, no, I think with Florida, uh, that's that's a matchup that I think a lot of us want to see just because it's the two best offenses in the SEC, probably the two best overall teams. Uh, I think Ole Miss's offense obviously can be you know, put in there as well, but um, no, I mean it's. It'll be an intriguing matchup because um, I think defensively, you know, they still gave up a, a decent amount to an Arkansas team that isn't well known to be uh, an offensive juggernaut. So I think that you know, if you're an Alabama fan and then looking at what they did, um, you know, from a counterpart perspective, then you feel pretty good about it. But defensively, you got to still see you know, this this unit progress and improve like it has. You need to see Dylan Moses. Uh, continue to take steps like he has and the, and the safety play has to get better because if not then yeah Kyle Trask and you know if if Kyle Pitts gets back on the field they can pro- they can cause some problems for sure that that tight end uh, that we that has given Alabama a, a problem and fits all season long you're going to face the best one in the country if he's ready to go uh, when these teams meet in the SEC championship game for sure yeah Florida showed you against Georgia they really can get the backs involved too yeah in the passing game, working off of Kyle Pitts. So uh, that's down the road. we got a little ways to go. And you're right, Florida, it's not like that's the uh, – that's not the 2008 
Florida defense that the Gators are rolling out there these days. And I think it's three plays of 75 yards or more that Florida's given up in the last two games uh, on defense. So uh, could be a very high scoring, entertaining SEC championship game if we uh, if we get one. Uh, if that's what comes to fruition, that matchup uh, next month, hopefully, in Atlanta. So when we look at the potential for this Alabama-LSU game to be played at some point, what did you take from Greg Sankey's comments later in the week? Uh, how do you sort of go into this week viewing what could play out here in the next three or four weeks? The SEC has gone ahead and said we're going to utilize December the 19th as a as a play date uh, in addition to the, the SEC championship game that night. Um, it, it sounds like the intention from what I can gather, you tell me, Charlie, is that uh, until they just can't or if they can't, they're going to try to get these games in as best they can. Yeah. And th- there's so many moving parts that go into this though, too. And um, y- you look at it, we just, we just previewed the, the SEC championship game, because it looks like barring just something completely unforeseen, it's going to be Alabama and, and Florida playing in Atlanta on December 19th. So that one's kind of out the window for, for those two teams. And LSU already has that you know makeup game with Florida set for the 12th. But, you know, outside of this upcoming weekend, that was my big takeaway is I know a lot of people want to move the Kentucky game, but it sounds like unless something changes the week, the games that were scheduled for November 21st, are going to be played as scheduled. You know, things can always change. Um, you know, Greg Sankey multiple times this season has talked about being fluid. And um, so we'll see. But that leaves just a, a handful of, of weeks left. And I think December 5th, um, that Alabama-Arkansas game is one that people have kind of pointed to to maybe moving back a week to December 12th. And then um, you know, LSU would have to move some things around with their schedule as well. But maybe that's when the Alabama-LSU game would take place. So in between the Iron Bowl and then a moved back Arkansas game. So you could get them all in that way. It's just one thing that a lot of people aren't talking about. We just saw a weekend where four games were canceled because numerous teams were dealing with COVID-19 situations. Right. So they have to get those under control first. And um, I think I mentioned it whenever I was on your radio show. I've talked about it before, but – with a team like LSU, they're not in the same boat as Alabama. Those players know that they're not going to be competing for another national championship this season. So where's their mindset at? What do they want to do? What do they want to accomplish? How much more football do they want to play? You know, How together and happy and connected is that locker room to come together for one common uh, goal? And if they're not, then that's going to be tough for them to, to play some fo- football games as scheduled and to, to get everything uh, going in the right direction. So hopefully they get their situation under wraps and some guys come out of quarantine and everything like that. Uh, but they, you know, if the, the Halloween party story is true, then, um, you know, those guys need to do better. And uh, if, if they can, then hopefully this game gets played. I love going down to Baton Rouge and, and you know, watching a game in Tiger Stadium, especially because every time I've been, it's the Alabama LSU game. But uh, I think that's step one. But then there's there's ways of doing this. Um, you have to move things around. You have to be flexible. And I think one of the more interesting things about this situation is uh, we only heard from Nick Saban a, a couple times this past week. And on Thursday during his radio show, he talked about how he hates this whole situation because it just drags the season out for the players. And to me, that that says that he thinks it's going to they're going to push things back and they're going to 
probably play another game that they didn't expect to have to play. Um, and he said, you know, they sucked backs this week. Um, you know, they don't have a game now, but there's going to be another game at some point in time that they're going to have to practice for. So he's preparing for that. Um, again, hopefully, you know, that happens just cause you want to see that game be played, but a lot of the other things have to go right. You have to have those schedules kind of aligned perfectly and we'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I, I think the rule for the SEC is that they have to, um, make that change if they're going to move things around the Monday of the game week. Uh, that's kind of the cutoff date. So, uh, you know, we'll see. And there's a lot of moving yeah. parts, but, but Kentucky right now is set for November 21st. You know, fingers crossed that happens. We'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, we will see. Um, it, it's, I'm with you. I think probably more December 5th, December 12th time frame, uh, is, is what's going to be especially worth watching. If you're Alabama and you're thinking about preparation, you kind of like the way Kentucky and Auburn sit the next two weeks, watching Kentucky on Saturday and watching them throughout the year. Stylistically, what Kentucky's going to present to you, you hope this week is similar to what you're going to get from Auburn the following Saturday. You're going to get some spread formations with the run game being emphasized more than the passing game, uh, you're going to have jet sweep action to some guys, and you're going to have some quarterbacks that can run the football. So, ideally for the Alabama defense, um, you know that would that would kind of still play out that way. But uh, as you said, it's uh, kind of up for grabs a little bit, and you're just going to have to wake up on Monday morning if you haven't already listened to this pod. Hopefully, you'll do that on Monday first, but then uh, you're going to be waiting on test results coming from around the league, you know, as you get into the next week and, and kind of see where it, where it takes you. Um, as we wrapped up the weekend, by the way, uh, Tua Tonga Vailoa now three and O as a starting quarterback in the national football league, Charlie, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's about what you would expect, I guess, to this point, there have been the flashes of the stuff that we saw on a consistent basis He's done a nice job, first and foremost, of not turning the ball over. Uh, he had a fumble, I think, on one of his very first snaps as a starter against the Rams, but he's kept the interception column clean. He's shown uh, good mobility, good enough mobility. And, uh, again, more importantly, that team's 3-0, and and he's 2-0 and in matchups against quarterbacks that are a lot of fun to watch like he is, young quarterbacks. Kyler Murray last week. Uh, this week, uh, Justin Herbert, the rookie, went a pick behind Tua in the draft uh, last spring. So, uh, so far, so good for Tua. Yeah, it has been. And uh, you mentioned that fumble. It, it looks like his his center. That was that was all on him. He, he even had well, the, a, I, the fu- yeah the fumble on Sunday. Yeah, that was the center's fault. I was referring to the one against the Rams. Back I like that first. Start. I got you. I got you. But yeah, yeah, I saw that one. To, I saw that one Sunday too. That. At first, I think the I think it's Rich Gannon that was doing the color on the broadcast. He was about to go young quarterback screws up on Tua, and then he saw the replay, and uh, that ball barely it looked like got off the side there in uh, in South Florida. It did, yeah. And he also had a, a low snap on a shotgun snap, and Tua picked that up and quickly threw it to the sideline. He's made some unbelievable plays. He he's had some that you know you still he has that gunslinger mentality. Uh, he threw a completion, you know, against the Chargers that went right through the linebacker's hand. But he's throwing the hell out of the football. 
he's putting a lot yeah. of spin on it and uh, making a lot of plays. And he's not just lighting up the the box score. Uh, I think he threw for 169 yards, but he's 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 scoring touchdowns. He has five in these first uh, three starts, and they haven't just been against chumps. You know, the Chargers I think now are two and seven. Um, but they're in every game though. Yeah, I mean they've lost a ton of close games, haven't they? They have. I mean, it's it's basically they are the NFL's version of what Clemson used to be. The Clemson <laughs> finding ways to lose games, but the Rams defense has two of the best players in the entire world in Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey. You know, the Cardinals. You know, they had an impressive win over the Bills. That's a young and upcoming team. So, um, two has looked great. Uh, I think the the Dolphins as a whole, though, they've been pretty vanilla on offense. But collectively, when you look at defense and special teams, uh, they're getting the job done because he's not being asked just to go out there and you know be super Tua like he was at times mm-hmm. at Alabama. I mean, the the first score of the game came off of a blocked punt uh, where they downed it at the one, and he just had an easy handoff for a, a one yard rushing touchdown. So. He's getting help around him. Uh, it's not just a star-studded cast. I think really the only big name on the roster is Devontae Parker. And um, you know, I'm not even sure if Devontae Parker is a top 10 uh, receiver. So once the Dolphins start you know, adding some, some pieces around him, this team could be really, really good. They're, they're already on their way to potentially being a playoff team. Um, you know, They might even win the division. They have to, to play the Bills again later on down the road. They have a game against the Jets, which, I mean, you know, that went up as a W, but, um, you know, the Patriots aren't looking great. Uh, they play the Bengals and then, you know, they have a couple of, of tough games against, I think the chiefs and the bills and maybe even the Raiders. Uh, so, so I think for two, I mean, if he keeps this up, he can, he can guide this team to a playoff berth, at least a wild card berth. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's looking bright. And the thing about with this game that we saw between the dolphins and the chargers, um, I thought going into this, that Justin Herbert or, I guess the player that went to L.A. was going to a better situation. But it looks like the Dolphins just all around are playing better football and, and Tua lucked out. I think I think there are still probably a few better weapons around Herbert. Yeah. Maybe when Keenan Allen is right at the wide receiver position, Mike Williams at wide receiver, I think Tua would take both those guys. Parker's a really good player. For Miami at wide receiver, but Preston Jones, one of his top wide receivers, I believe, was out Sunday he was. against the Chargers. Uh, Bosa was out for the Chargers, yep. so that didn't uh, hurt to his feelings too much, I don't Ooh. think. But, you know, the Dolphins have that Texans first round pick for this next draft. And after the Texans lost to the Browns on Sunday, I believe that pick was up to as high as third overall for this next draft. So if you want to go out and get to a, a playmaker to put with him, uh, you're going to be picking in that spot. Who knows? It may end up there further down in the top 10. And if they are, maybe it's Devontae Smith and Tua time. How about Devontae reteaming with Tua maybe if it works out that way? That would be great. Um, you just you need some some offensive help. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, – I mean I'm not just totally – dumping on Devonte Parker. I think he is a good receiver and they were without Preston Williams. I think they were also without miles Gaskin who's on uh, injured reserve, yeah, but starting running back. They've just been very vanilla in what they're doing offensively. It's like, they're just trying not to lose the game and try to, instead of trying to win. And, and two has shown just with some of the throws he's had uh, that he can do that. It's just, they, they need a few more pieces around him. 
and uh, that that'll be one of the most exciting teams to watch in the NFL just because he was able to to beat a, a Kyler Murray who has a DeAndre Hopkins and a Larry Fitzgerald, a Kenyon Drake. Uh, the Chargers again, yeah, they they have a lot of good weapons. They were even that without um, Austin Eckler, their talented running back. So I, I will be excited to see Tua just continue to to progress and get more comfortable, and then just to maybe you know let the, the reins back a little bit, let him run. Gasecki, the tight end for the Dolphins, you like. Um, but he, he needs some, he needs some more guys. I don't think there's, there's much doubt about that. And, and again, they, they have a nice bit of draft capital mm-hmm. still to sort of play around with. And, and, and the way they're sort of structured, this may be the way it kind of is anyway, because Brian Forrest, the head coach is a defensive guy. This, this may be more the Belichick type way. And, and there's no arguing with it to this point. I mean, he's done a great job down there. It seems like culture-wise as much as anything else, and that's another area where Tua plays in very nicely as the face for that franchise moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, we're going to do that on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, it's time for some true or false with Charlie Potter. We're going to do it with some Alabama football topics and some Alabama men's topics as well i mean we got the start of college basketball season less than two weeks away back with more bama online's podcast right here right now right after this back with more of the bama online podcast as we get your week going here moving in to the latter stages of the month of november hoping Beyond hope that we get some more football here real soon. More SEC football, Alabama, Kentucky set for this coming Saturday, Charlie. That's a uh, that's a nice time slot there. Three o'clock SEC network as scheduled right now. Correct. Yeah, I, I like that one. And it's weird because you're looking at Alabama's seventh game of the season. This will be the first game not on CBS. So not without um Brad Nestler and Gary Danielson and that crew. And then the first game, not on ESPN and all three ESPN games have been uh, your crew, McDonough and Blackledge and um, varsity. Yeah. Yeah, The varsity. So this will be the first game this season. That's not uh, ESPN, that crew or on CBS and it'll be on. (laughs) So, uh, but no, that 3 PM, that slide, that that's a good one. You don't have to get up super early. You can kind of enjoy maybe a, a little lunch at the house before heading over. And then you get back in time to, Still enjoy a little bit of your Saturday. That's that's a good time slot. Absolutely. Let's get into some true or false here, um, and we'll start with Alabama football. We'll do some uh, we'll do some Alabama hoops as well as we move through these. Uh, and again, these are based on the hope, at least, that we get these four games that were scheduled to to cap what what we were given by the league office there before the season for the 10 scheduled games. And then we'll consider maybe the SEC championship game as a part of this, uh, perhaps another game or two with the college football playoff. But here you go, Charlie. Again, if Alabama can get the previously scheduled number of games in and no fewer than two additional contests, say the SEC championship game and the college football playoff, somewhere in the neighborhood of six more games, this team is able to get in. True or false, Najee Harris will surpass Derrick Henry as Alabama's all-time leading rusher, and he'll surpass, and there's an and here, and he'll surpass Henry and Mark Ingram for most rushing touchdowns. Now, 
Henry's career mark sits at 3591. Najee right now is at 3091. That's 500 yards back. Uh, when we talk career rushing touchdowns, Henry and Ingram at 42 each tied atop that list. So what about it, Charlie? Can Najee get there if it plays out like we hope it will in terms of games? Or uh, is it an either or? Do you think he gets there on both or maybe doesn't get there on either? If he gets six games, uh, I think he does it just because he's been the bell cow, you know, with the injury to Trey Sanders now. And, you know, Trey Sanders just wasn't taking a ton of carries away from Najee and Brian Robinson. But I think that, you know, the maybe three or four that uh, Trey was getting in the game, you see those allocated to to Najee and, and Brian Robinson. I think that the freshman will be saved more for, you know, late game situations. But um, with that in mind, just 500 yards and, and nine touchdowns uh, with what he's done so far this season. So he's rushed for 714 yards and 14 touchdowns uh, in six games. If he continues on that path, uh, yeah, I think he does it. So um, if the LSU game isn't played um, and, you know, say they get to the SEC championship game and, and maybe don't make it to the college football playoff, um, it, it'll be a little tougher. But if they get four regular season games, an SEC title game, and the very least a, a semifinal game, I think Najee Harris gets both of those. I agree. I think he may not even need a sixth or seventh game. I think he might do it in five. And a lot of that has to do with how he's been trending in terms of carries. He's been 20 or more in each of the last four games, touches in general. You know, he's been above 25 in the last four games. Uh, I think 24 carries a game in his last four. So the workload is increased. I don't see that changing. And I think the way that they're going to continue to try to put away teams or just put games away, especially, obviously, if they're competitive games. If they're not, I think you'll see Brian Robinson, Jace McClellan, one of the young backs in there uh, with Trey Sanders out. But, uh, you know, their their M.O. when when they can do it is to turn the fourth quarter into just sort of a Najee Harris show. And I think that's where it could be especially critical for them in games against the likes of Auburn and perhaps Florida down the road. But yeah, based on his workload, it's hard to go against Najee Harris. He's averaging 119 a game right now, you know, on the ground. And then when you look at the defenses that are still out there that Alabama will see, Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas, LSU, Florida, none of those defenses rank among the top five in the SEC against the run right now so uh he'll have some opportunities to do it no doubt same scenario charlie but let's talk about Devonte smith where career receptions and receiving yards are concerned it's pretty much amari cooper across the board he's tied with amari right now and for the sec all-time lead in career touchdown catches chris doring the former florida receiver part of that as well he has 174 career receptions Devonte smith does 2,868 yards. You look at um, Amari. Amari's at 228 as far as receptions and 3,463 career receiving yards at the capstone. So when you talk about Smith on the ground, he has to make up. It's 595 yards by my math and 54 receptions. Uh, Is that one a little tougher than, say, trying to make a call on Najee? 
I think it's a little tougher. Um, I think the fact that Jalen Waddle's out uh, helps just because I think Devontae Smith is the focal point. Of course, you have John Mechie, and we've seen you know Slade Bolden kind of step into that role. But uh, Mac Jones trusts Devontae. Um, you know, he said multiple times that Devontae just says, man, throw it up, I'm going to catch it. And he just does it, and he comes down with it. And yeah, Devontae, just, we saw what he was able to do against Mississippi State. Um, we've seen him just have huge games in the past. Um, you know, it just seems like he's maybe due for another one of those just because of the year that he's having. He's obviously going to be in the Blitnikoff Award conversation. So, you know, roughly 600 yards and, and 55 or so catches. I mean, that's that's doable. Right now through six games, I think he's at, uh, um, you know, 56 catches and about 760 yards. So if he just keeps on that path in another six games, that's easy. Of course, he has, you know, a 200-yard game and a game with you know, four receiving touchdowns. But, um, you know, with, with no Jalen Waddle, you know, for the foreseeable future, I think that that's possible. So I'm going to go with true. But, you know, just in terms of, I guess, something like confidence points, I have a little less in this one. Uh, just because it's you know you're it's indicative of somebody else getting into the football and other guys taking up targets and you know with Najee that's less of a, an issue so uh, he's still the number one receiver and if he just does what he's been doing he can get there so you know the the receiving touchdown uh, career mark I think he's going to obliterate that one uh, but in terms of the other ones I think he gets it done but it's a little tougher than Najee. It almost feels like. For this team to do what it wants to do, he he almost has to do what we're talking about him doing as far as surpassing eventually uh, Amari Cooper for career yards and career receptions. And for me, it would seem like catches might be the toughest of the two. I think so, too. Uh, but then I look at in the last three games or four games, last four games, he's had double-digit receptions in three of those games. And kind of like Najee, as far as targets and workload and those type of things, you know that's not going to go down with Auburn coming up, with LSU potentially still on the schedule, with Florida still out there. Arkansas is better than any of us anticipated. So I can see it on both of those with Devontae Smith. And I go back to the defenses that you know Alabama is going to face and – uh, a little different there compared to the run because of those defenses, three of them rank in the top five against the pass, including what might be a bit of a surprise, Kentucky this week. Number one in the SEC in pass defense, the Wildcats. And then you look at LSU right now. LSU's dead last in the SEC in pass defense. DBU, Charlie. DBU. And Florida's ninth. So those are a couple of schools that have squabbled over DBU in the past. And, uh, you know, they're they're very much in the bottom third or so of the league when it comes to uh, taking care of the passing game. One more for you for football, Charlie. Let's talk about Christopher Allen. I think some folks might be surprised to know that this guy actually leads Alabama and tackles for a loss right now with six and six games. And um, right behind him is Dylan Moses with five and a half. And so I'm going to pose to you a true false scenario of. Christopher Allen leads Alabama in tackles for loss right now, but it will be Dylan Moses who ultimately finished this the season as UA's top producer of TFLs. True or false there? Yeah, I think Dylan uh, has the lead at the end, but when it comes to Christopher Allen, I think he's been 
consistent of late. I think both he, he and Fidarian Mathis up front have played uh, and probably don't get enough credit uh, just for the way that they have played of late. I think both of those guys have been very consistent. Uh, you know, they've been able to get pressure on the quarterback and they've made plays in the backfield. And, you know, that's kind of what this front has been lacking. So um, I know those guys and Dylan Moses and Christian Harris, we're all looking forward to, to playing uh, the game against LSU and hopefully it'll still happen. But uh, I think they were licking their chops at, at getting a chance at revenge against the Tigers being all of them from the state of uh, Louisiana. But, you know, I would go with just, I think Dylan will, will lead the team in that category. He's close already. Um, I think they've kind of been jockeying for a position for the for the top spot on the team uh, throughout the season, and Dylan's just playing better and better as the season's going on. And you know that was something that I wrote about last week before uh, the game was postponed. It's just how he's kind of stepping up as that alpha leader of the defense. He's gotten comfortable, you know, being the signal caller, and that's something you know we've talked about. It's been a topic on a previous podcast. It's just uh, Dylan Moses's play this season and kind of his stock and everything. And I think early on. With him, he was focusing more on getting everybody else lined up and then putting himself in a bad position. I think he's kind of gotten settled down, you know, realized, you know, he just needs to let it loose and, and play football. And on top of obviously being the signal caller, but he's been, you know, more confident in that role and it's shown on the field. And he has been making plays uh, more so than he did maybe in the second, third, and fourth games of the season. So I think when you just look at the end of the year, uh, you know, Dylan's going to be on the field every snap. Um, Chris Fallon isn't. And I think just with the, the continued uh, progressive play of Moses, I'd give him the nod there. So uh, I think my answer would be true if the, if I remember the question correctly, but I'll, I'll, I'll just go with Dylan leading that. And, and that would be my answer. There you go. I'm going to go with maybe a little bit of an upset. I'm going to stick with, uh, I'm going to stick with Chris Allen. I think it's going to be tight. And I, if you're an Alabama fan, you want it to be. Yeah. I mean, you want to get through these next four, five, six, seven games, how many ever you play, and both of these guys still be right around at least a tackle for loss for game. Because if you do that, you know, you're talking double digit tackle for loss production from both these guys. And yeah, I don't think Christopher Allen is going to be on the field as much as Dylan, but I think with the Dime Rabbits being what we've seen from them. Now, he's been out there a good bit. He stayed out there a good bit with Will Anderson. And you know, it's been interesting this year because you know, we don't often see where both outside linebackers and both inside linebackers stay on the field in the dime. But that's kind of the, what you know they have to work with with the personnel they have this year. So I think he's going to get a few more opportunities than I would have imagined um, before the season. And uh, I'll, go with, I'll go with him slightly just slightly by a tad there uh, with Dylan Moses in that race. Hey, Charlie, as we get out of here on an early week edition of the Bama online podcast, crazy uh, basketball season, uh, 10 days away or so. And of course you're going to have Jacksonville state visiting the Alabama men's team right here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, There's been some consternation on the COVID front with hoops too, though. You've seen Rick Pitino, some other notable voices, expressing major concern about the sustainability of a season starting in late November and, and being able to get through the winter months. But we're going to work on the glasses half full side of things, and we're going to anticipate the start of this season and hopefully a successful stretch in, in navigating this process. So um, here's an initial true or false for you for the Alabama men's basketball team. 
the Alabama Crimson Tide, Nate Oates' second season, will go through non-conference play in November and December with no more than one loss. One loss or fewer for Alabama between Jacksonville State, and then you get into the Maui Invitational, which of course has been relocated to Asheville. Uh, tough home game here against Houston mm-hmm. on December the 19th. What do you think? True or false with that one, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, it's a respectable non-conference schedule. Um, yeah, I think that the neutral site games, which would be Maui or Asheville, uh, and the Clemson game in Atlanta, I don't think either one of those are going to have fans. So you don't really have kind of a an advantage one way or the other if you're those teams that are playing there. But uh, the, the ones that I point to that are going to be probably the toughest matchups for Alabama are going to be uh, that second round of the Maui Invitational. I think they can beat a, a team like Stanford, and they want to have a good showing coming out the gate. But if they match up with North Carolina in that second round, um, you know, that's going to be tough. We saw what, you know, the Tar Heels were able to do against Alabama last year. Of course, they're a team that has, you know, roster turnover every year with teams or with players going to the NBA. And then you mentioned it, that Houston game. It, it helps us that it's in Tuscaloosa. We don't know yet what the capacity will be uh, for Coleman Coliseum. I don't think it's going to be just a lot, though. Uh, but, you know, those are the two that I look at. And um I don't expect Alabama to really go to Maui and or to Asheville <laughs> and and win that tournament, but I think they'll have a respectable showing. So that's one loss there. And then with Houston, um, yeah, that's that's going to be one of the tougher uh, matchups for its non-conference slate. So with it being at home, I guess just looking at this schedule, I'll give them a W. And you also factor in if you're talking about November and December, they start SEC play with Ole Miss, you know, coming to town on December 29th. But um, so I, I guess I would go with with true to say, you know, they would have one loss. Now, that's obviously looking like you said, with a glass half full approach, um, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me to see them come out with a couple of losses in non-conference play. Uh, but I think this team, I'll, there's a lot of, of positive buzz around them. They're deep. Um, you know, I, I posted a story you know, the, the beginning of the weekend about Keon Ellis. And that's, that's a guy that I don't think many people are expecting to be in the starting lineup, but they, um, you know, have a lot of good things to say about him and what he brings to the table, both offensively and defensively. And that can be said about a lot of players. So it's a deep team and that helps whenever you're, you know, playing in a year where you don't know what's you know going to happen from a, an availability standpoint. So I think I talked myself into to one loss looking one at the schedule. Fewer. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and else, I mean, you never know with hoops, but just looking at it right here and and talking through it, I think that's a real possibility. Yeah, I think the keys uh, you mentioned Maui, I guess we ought to just start calling that Mashville. So we can just combine Maui and Asheville. Like a Nashville sister city or something. Um, But yeah, I, I think the Stanford game on November the 30th, you know, one way or the other. Um, I think Alabama is capable of going two and one in that event. And and that means if it loses the opener to Stanford, which I don't anticipate, uh, you know, and then you get into potentially seeing a UNLV in the second game because UNLV has North Carolina in the first round. And then if you look at it the other way, Alabama beat Stanford, maybe doesn't beat North Carolina has a little history with North Carolina and these type of things. It seems like, um, then, you know, you, you still can get to two wins in Maui. And then so 
the swing game really becomes if you're not anticipating a potential tumble to Clemson in Atlanta or maybe one of the Southern Conference teams that are going to book in that home game with Houston on December the 19th. Yeah, I mean, Houston is a legit basketball team. I mean, 23-8 and eight the last season, 13-5 and five in a really good league, the AAC. Kelvin Sampson, legit, you know, high major coach for years now. Uh, preseason pick to win their league. Uh, recruits at a better level than you might anticipate for an AAC school that isn't of particular note on the basketball scene. But, yeah, those would be the two that I would look at. I'm going to go... I'm going to go over the one loss. I think they'll lose a couple. And I, I'm looking at Houston, uh, and, and it kind of sucks because you don't really benefit from the home court, mm-hmm. you know, with Houston coming in here. And then I'm thinking one loss, uh, one loss in Nashville in the Maui. So uh, yeah, I'm right there, kind of teetering. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go over the one loss there in November and December. These were a lot of fun tonight. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed Najee and Devante. And I think it needs to be talked about too, because these are guys that didn't have to come back to school mm-hmm. for another year. And they did. And you would love for them to have every opportunity to put themselves at the top of some respective lists that are certainly, um, you know, notable, um, uh, extremely notable. So, uh, you know, you hope more than anything else, even if they don't get there, you just hope they get the chance, right. To, to, to do everything that, that they're capable of doing, uh, before their eligibility expires. And I guess you could say, I mean, Charlie, they could both come back next year. I guess that's not happening though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we're going true or false on that one, I think I'll <laughs> that's false. a false, okay. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with, with what you said though, because I just did kind of a, a five questions that I think a lot of people would have about Alabama on a second weekend off. And, and that was something I mentioned, just how does this affect or how does having two weeks off kind of affect individual accolades and, and records? And really the, the big ones are those two. And then with Mac Jones being up for the, the Heisman conversation, we sure. talked both of those and hopefully you know this LSU game gets played for a lot of reasons but it is for for those guys especially it's it's for a guy like Dylan Moses who chose to come back and and play against his home state team the same goes for uh you know Phil Mathis and and Chris Allen and and Christian Harris and you know for Najee and and Devante they they didn't like the way that last year played out but they also both of those guys are wired to the way that they want to be the best and i talked to Devonte earlier this year about you know just how he feels about that and and you know why come to a place like alabama when you don't want to strive to be the best you don't want to be like yeah i'll, I'll finish behind guys like amari cooper and, and julio jones he's a guy that's wired to want to be the best and, and he's put himself in a position to do that and hopefully these guys are afforded that opportunity to to be on the field and to, to chase these records even still. Yeah. Devonte Smith, a meet Louisiana. Guess he wouldn't mind seeing the Tigers one more time. Maybe a little uh, rematch with Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, we'll see a, how if that you, goes. we talk about those, those records. He had a, a pretty good uh, <laughs> matchup the last two, uh, last time those guys met on the field. So I think he might be looking at shops again. All right, Charlie, always great stuff with us here on the podcast. Always great stuff there with us at BamaOnline.com. Be sure to check out all of Charlie's great work right there on the website. Of course, the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans everywhere. 
We'd love to hang out with you there as well. The Bama Online Podcast, if you haven't already. How about a subscription, a rating, a review while you're there? Those would all be greatly appreciated. Wherever you consume podcasts, you can find us. Bama Online Podcast. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great week, and we'll talk to you again real soon.